Hello my friends and welcome back to the Makeup Musings podcast. Welcome back to season two of the random podcast series and this is episode three where the prompt is Nintendo. Now Nintendo is a subject that I know reasonable bit about because I am a big Nintendo fan. My uh, sort of history with gaming as a as an individual is heavily linked to what Nintendo do. I have got other consoles or have had other consoles but my first love as a gamer is Nintendo. It always has been and I imagine it always will be. Nintendo have produced to me at least some of the best gaming franchises ever seen in the world, probably the single best one, which to me is The Legend of Zelda, which I could talk about at length. I won't do that here, because this isn't just about Zelda, but I could easily. They've also introduced us to characters like uh, Mario and the Pokemon franchise as well, of course, is huge. We've also got things like uh, Super Metroid, or just Metroid, I should say, Star Fox as well, Animal Crossing has become a a major thing as well. Xenoblade Chronicles, I'm not familiar with, but that's another Nintendo franchise which has taken off big time. Nintendo have proven very, very good at developing ideas like this and turning them into, into huge empires. Huge, very profitable empires. Now, what a lot of people don't know about Nintendo is their origins. Nintendo as a company, we we associate them as being relatively young because video games in the relative scheme of things are a relatively new form of entertainment. Now, Nintendo are actually a lot older than any of the other major video game companies. They were first founded in September 1889. That's right. 1889. So Nintendo as a company are coming up on being 133 years old. You're thinking, what? And yep, it's true. In fairness, it's probably not actually a uh, sort of a an unknown fact. I imagine a lot of people do know that. But there will be some of you out there who don't know that. So yes, Nintendo are actually very, very old as a company. Well, I say very old. I mean, they're older companies than Nintendo, but... They are an old company compared to other video game companies out there. And they have had their fingers in many, many pies down the years. They were founded, and please forgive me here if my pronunciation isn't great because I can't offer up any certainty as to this one. Uh, They were founded by a man called Fusajiro Yamaki. You know what, I can't pronounce it. Uh, I mean, let's let's try. So Nintendo's founder. Uh, that doesn't help me pronounce it. Yamuchi. I I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, as I say. But anyway, this this gentleman founded Nintendo many many years ago, and they started out life, obviously not making video games because video games didn't exist back in 1889. Or, for that matter, television didn't exist either. So, good luck with any sort of games like that. Nintendo started out making playing cards. They were making a form of traditional Japanese playing card. And they 
uh, effectively were a tolerated form of card because Japan had actually banned gambling or most forms of gambling a few years beforehand. Uh, so this was a means of kind of filling a bit of a gap in the market, as it were, and trying to do so uh, in a in a sort of reasonable fashion. Uh, although they did introduce Western-style cards back in 1902 uh, as well. Well, they were originally put on the market back then, but they had problems what, with wars between Japan and other countries, uh, and Nintendo had to be resilient, as it were. Nintendo did sort of carry on for a while with various projects. Uh, in fact, Nintendo had done various different things over the years. At one point, they uh, were involved in hotels, which was an interesting idea. They had an early contract with Disney in the 1950s, well, right at the end of the 1950s, regarding Disney's animated characters in uh, Nintendo cards. So interesting sort of link there between those two companies, which is interesting given how sort of almost jealously both companies guard their copyright. And yeah, Nintendo, because you know, the card situation was changing and by the 1960s, it wasn't so interesting anymore to a lot of the Japanese public. Nintendo began to diversify. And there were some interesting and largely unsuccessful mm -hmm. aims on the business. They looked at, among other things, Instant Rice, a chain of love hotels, think of that what you will, and a taxi service. And these didn't really prove to be particularly successful. Um, so they moved on to other initiatives. They managed to stay afloat and they moved on to do other things, uh, including electronic toys, which of course would become the, the precursor to the Nintendo we know today. They were involved in some popular toys, actually, in the 70s, including things which I'd never heard of before, the Ultra Hand, the Ultra Machine, the Ultra Scope, and the Love Tester. And these were just novelty toys that were sort of released in, in toy stores back then in Japan, but they did help Nintendo and give them a boost at a point when they were kind of desperately needing it. And it was in the, the late 70s and throughout the 80s that they began to develop some new angles, the Game & Watch in particular, which was kind of a pirate... I actually had a Game & Watch. I can't remember what it was now. I want to say Snoopy Tennis. That rings a bell uh, back in the day. And it, I didn't realise it was Nintendo at the time. And it became... It became one of the ways in which Nintendo began to develop handheld game systems, and it proved to be very, very popular. Nintendo also opened up a branch in America in 1979 as well. So they began to expand their operation, and they began to develop an arcade game as well. And this is where Nintendo well and truly put themselves onto the map. They relied, of course, on who had become a very famous name in the gaming world. I'm sure you've heard of the name Shigeru Miyamoto. He is the guy that invented Super Mario. Uh, he, or should I say, created Super Mario. 
and he, he helped design Nintendo's first sort of successful arcade game, Donkey Kong, which would go on to become a huge success, not just in Japan, but elsewhere as well. And at this point, Nintendo decided they would try and capitalize on that success by developing a machine for, for people to have in their homes, a games console. Now, it's worth noting that games consoles were an idea that was always sort of floating around, so it isn't necessarily the brainchild of Nintendo. But Nintendo developed what were going to be one of the most successful consoles of all time, the Nintendo Entertainment System, uh, also known as the Family Computer or Famicom in Japan, would give us games like Donkey Kong, uh, among others, and of course, ultimately, Super Mario as well, and Zelda. It would pioneer these franchises. And it would go on to become not only a huge hit in Japan, but it would go on to be a massive hit all around the world. And that's really where, you know, this was like sort of mid-80s, and this is where Nintendo really sort of took off. This is where we reach the history that most people sort of know of Nintendo. From that point forward, the rest is history, as it were. The NES was a huge success, but Nintendo, who were aware, of course, of the rapidly evolving technology, and also aware that they had rivals who were not standing still, began to push to develop new consoles, new technology. They developed the Game Boy as a handheld option, which greatly expanded upon the original sort of Game & Watch devices. They developed the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, which has been one of the most successful consoles ever. They also developed a relationship in the early 90s, no less, uh, with Sony, or perhaps to be more precise, they tried to develop a relationship with Sony. And this was an idea for an attachment and a device that would basically see Super Nintendo run CDs. That idea fell through, Nintendo and Sony, uh, their relationship basically sort of fell apart. And... This led Sony, of course, down the path of the PlayStation. They took inspiration from, from this idea. And Nintendo would forge ahead with other ideas, as we sort of well know. And then in the mid-90s, after a very successful run for the Super Nintendo, Nintendo released the Nintendo 64, which again was a very successful console, featuring some of the best games of all time, certainly in the views of many such as Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, GoldenEye, which was a great game. I loved GoldenEye. I mean, graphically these days, of course, it looks very, very dated. Uh, but it was a lot of fun back then, especially multiplayer. That was insane. It was great fun. And they also had other things as well. They released something called the Virtual Boy, which actually was a bit of a disaster. But Nintendo, Nintendo in the sort of the 90s, arguably at their peak, but, as we know, when you hit your peak, the only way from there is down. And with the rise of both Sony and also Microsoft into the games console market, Nintendo began to feel a little bit of a squeeze at times. Sega 
Nintendo's biggest rivals, historically speaking, actually abandoned the, uh, the console market altogether due to the, the push from their rivals. But Nintendo have soldiered on. They released other consoles, the Game Boy Advance, which was okay. The GameCube, which was, a, I think, a good console, but it didn't prove to be as successful as it should have done. And then Nintendo have also moved on to, well, one of the most successful handheld consoles ever, the Nintendo DS, which has seen various iterations down the years, uh, the DS Lite, DSi, the 3DS, proving to be a huge round of success stories for, for Nintendo, especially alongside the Pokemon franchise, which was really sort of developed for the handheld consoles. Nintendo also released the Nintendo Wii, which was very much a novelty that lured in a lot of casual gamers and was a hugely successful console. In fact, it was the most successful console of its generation, outperforming even the heavy hitters of Sony and Microsoft. And then we moved on to Nintendo sort of having a misfire, as they had done in the past, with the Wii U, which was a bit of a mixed idea and not particularly great. And then we move on to now, Nintendo Switch which has proven to be a big success in the sort of five years or so of its lifespan now. And the success of the Switch really has reignited interest in some of Nintendo's products. We have a Super Mario film coming out. Uh, well, it's believed to be possibly later on this year or early next year, which will be interesting. Nintendo's relationship with films and TV shows has never always been that great. Some people sort of wrongly associate the Pokemon TV series with Nintendo. Pokemon actually isn't technically a Nintendo product, although Nintendo own a large percentage of the company which makes Pokemon, and the two companies have been aligned for many, many years. It is worth noting that they're not Pokemon is not technically Nintendo directly. Although it remains to be seen if we'll ever see Pokemon on a different console. But from, from, from some very humble beginnings, making playing cards and even attempting to run you know, hotels and that kind of thing, Nintendo have gone on to become a multi-billion pound business, a global player in video games. They recently opened a uh, Nintendo, like a Super Nintendo World theme park. I think that's within Universal Studios in Japan. I think it's buried within that. But yes, they now have a theme park around Nintendo. And their, their sort of big name IPs, such as, for example, Mario, are returning to the big screen. There was a Super Mario Bros. film back in the 90s, 1993, I believe, was when it was released. And we don't speak about that among Nintendo fans because it was, frankly, absolutely awful. I guess both the studio that made the film, and I can't even tell you who made the film, uh, but the studio and Nintendo themselves were probably hoping to capitalise on Nintendo mania. Nintendo were huge in the early 90s, and... I guess everyone wanted to have a slice of that pie. What we got was an abomination of a film that didn't really bear any resemblance to the to the story of Mario whatsoever. 
And alongside that, we also had a very brief run of a Legend of Zelda TV series, which was also pretty awful. This was an animated series that just wasn't good at all in any way, shape or form. And between those two very, very poor projects, Nintendo basically were like, you know what, we're not going to use our characters or let our characters be used in film and TV again. Until very recently with the upcoming Super Mario Brothers film, which hopefully will be a lot closer to the to the sort of story of Mario than it was before. And who knows what the future will hold in terms of the actual consoles themselves. The, the Switch is now over five years old, and it is, in comparison to the new generation of consoles underpowered. In fact, you could argue that the Switch was underpowered compared to the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, much less the PS5 and the Xbox like sort of X series, for example. But Nintendo have always done things differently. It's their biggest strength. It can also be their biggest weakness. Nintendo have never gone in for the you know, the raw power and that kind of thing. They've always gone in for some quirky and unique gimmicks. And sometimes these have paid off big time. The Wii, for example, used motion sensor controls and it had a very different kind of setup and feel to it to other consoles. It was very, very unique and that proved to be a strength in many ways. But the Wii U, with its gigantic oversized controller and touchscreen display thing going on was a gimmick that didn't really work and it was awkward for a lot of game developers to incorporate this this device into its games and it often just ends up feeling pointless the switch has the quirk of being both a handheld console and a console you can run for the tv it has a docking station which you can hook up to a telly via, uh, via HDMI cables, or you can slide it out of the dock and use it as a handheld. It has an okay battery life. It's not the sort of thing that you can realistically uh, sort of lug around too much, but you can take it out and about. You can you know, use it on the train. You can use it uh, in principle on, on a car journey, or that might not be too pleasant an experience. You can use it on a plane, Although you would need to at some point charge it because about three hours if it's being constantly used is what you can expect from the battery life of the Switch. And on a long flight, on a long flight, you're going to run out of juice probably sort of even before you reach halfway. So it has this unique gimmick and I must admit it is quite convenient sometimes. If you want to use the Switch and someone else wants, wants to play, you know, wants to use the TV, well, easy enough, just sort out the dock you don't have to do anything apart from take out the dock so you don't have to worry about like interrupting what you're doing as it were take out the dock the game usually pauses just unpause it carry on playing and then if the tv becomes available again just slide it back in same thing so it's very very seamless as well some things are arguably easier when it's in tv mode but the screen is decent enough Nintendo actually upgraded the Switch, uh, was it earlier this year? No, it was last year, with a version which had a slightly bigger, better screen, which was disappointing in some ways because there'd been a rumour about a Switch Pro that would be 
a major upgrade in terms of performance and power, and instead we got a slightly better screen. And that could be argued that was a Nintendo misfire. Because as I say, we're now five years into the Switch, and you know it's done well. It may well have a couple more years left in it. In fact, it almost certainly does, because Nintendo are probably planning to release their next big marquee Zelda game on the Switch. So there might well be more time for the Switch. But you can't escape the reality that the Switch does not have the firepower and the oomph of other consoles. As I say, that's not Nintendo's thing. And that is to their credit in so many ways. The Switch is a much more affordable console than many other consoles out there. It's almost half the price of the PS5. But nonetheless, sometimes you wonder, how would it look if the Switch had the graphical performance of a PlayStation 5? How would this make games like Zelda and Pokemon look? They'd be absolutely stunning. The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, on the Switch, is already a gorgeous game. If it had, like, sort of PS5 or Xbox Series levels of power behind it and graphics behind it, you could expand the game world, first of all, in unprecedented ways. And the game itself would be looking incredible and it would perhaps even run more smoothly as well. I guess the drawback to that is you'd pay more for it. So that would be the thing that you'd have to sort of bear in mind. I would you know, have to invest more in such a console, but you know what? I would invest more in such a console. To have the chance to play those games in that sort of format I'd be, I'd be up for that. Anyway, there you have a little history of Nintendo, I, which I hope you've enjoyed in some way, shape or form. And I hope you've enjoyed my, my ponderance of what I would like to see from Nintendo. And that's that. I've managed to run on for 20 minutes about this subject because it's a subject which I absolutely love. Who knows what the future holds for Nintendo going forward? Who knows what the future holds for their franchises, but we will find out together.